0: heights to the depths of the sea.
1: And I love what Peter said. Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go? There's no other place for us to go. There's no other way to go. He is the way, the truth, the life. What other truth is there? What other life is there? There is no other life.
0: Every creature is unique in the sun. Gleaming in his class. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Who is told every where it go? There always was a reaction to the radical statements of Jesus. Many disciples turned away. Jesus rebuked their own material and earthly motivations for following him. If they didn't seek him by the Spirit instead of seeking him for food and a kingdom, then they had not come to him at all. Jesus asked the twelve if they would turn away also. And speaking for the twelve, Simon Peter gave a wonderful statement of faith and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress.
1: He drew the line in the sand, and at this point he was wildly popular. Any other man would have avoided this discourse. Any other man would have been a fool. His his advisor to Jesus would say, you know, it's probably a better idea that you don't mention anything about people eating your flesh and drinking your blood. You'll have a lot more followers, Jesus. Trust me on this one. Do you think Jesus consulted anyone but his father? Do you think Jesus was worried that now he had all these people? Oh, everybody pass the hat. Let's get some money. you think he was concerned about all that? you think he was concerned about the number of people? Do you think he was thinking to himself, well, at least they're coming? No, he was interested. He was going to weed out that multitude, and there would be less people following him after this. Then more people following him. And boy, does that fly in the face of today's evangelism. Today they'll do anything to get you to come. Jesus said, this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your father ate in our dead, but he who eats this bread, Jesus said, they will live forever. And these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Remember, because that's where he was. We visit this synagogue in Capernaum when we go to Israel. Hope you come with us next March. Call Calvary Chapel Finger Lakes. We'll hopefully get out sign-up sheets or itineraries sometime soon. But we visit this very synagogue, the very synagogue where this happened, and other things, Jesus walked on the very floors that you're going to walk on. And part of the walls there and some of the columns, the roof is all missing. But the very floor, this very place, was where this happened. And you would see it. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum that he is the bread of life. And notice verse 60. As a result of this hard saying, and it is a hard saying. Therefore, many of his disciples, not the twelve, but the others, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Lord, you're speaking in a parable-ish kind of way. We know you're speaking spiritually, not physical. I hope you're speaking spiritually, Lord. Do you really mean that we're going to, you know, you're going to get out your buck knife and take a piece off and pass it around and everybody nibble on it? I mean, how is this going to work? There's only so much of you. Only so much blood. You've got a few pints of blood in you. How's this going to work? There's a lot of people here. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? Does this offend you? What then, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before And I'm so glad for the next verse. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits anything. The words that I speak to you guys, they are spirit and they are life. Oh, thank God he said that. Even his disciples were kind of pensive. He could tell they were getting a little nervous. Lord, please qualify that statement. Getting a little nervous here. Don't you know you're offended the Pharisees? <laughs> I offended somebody. Oh, I'm so sorry. Jesus is never a sorry about offending people with the truth. The truth, the gospel, is offensive. It's offensive to your old, stubborn, rascal nature. Because I have one too. That old nature has been crucified. It is still present, but the Spirit of God is like... A wonderful heavenly gorilla standing over the top of that old nature, saying, "You will not express yourself." And, God, and the, the scary part is, I have the ability to take that, the spirit of God and just kind of nudge him off and say, "I want, you know, I want to do this thing, and, or I want to say this thing, or I want to express myself." And God says, "Is that what you really want? Are you going to grieve my spirit after all I've done?" Yes, I will, and I shall and I'll probably do it again. Isn't that the truth of us? That rascal side of us. Paul knew it very well. Why is the good that I do? Why isn't it, why don't I do the, the things that I do the, the good things? Why is it that I do the bad things? And why is it are the bad things? You know, I, I I I don't want to do those, but I end up doing those and not doing the good things. Oh, wretched man. That i am thank god for the spirit of god thank god for forgiveness thank god for the security of salvation thank you lord for this process of sanctification but there are some of you who do not believe jesus said for jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him and he said, therefore, I have said to you, that, you sh- that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him from my Father. And um, it is true. No one can come to him. And those who hold to a very strict and uh, extreme Calvinistic point of view might use this as their proof text uh, concerning their position that God is sovereign and man has no say in his decision concerning salvation. But if we look at the totality of Scripture, we see that both are true. God is almighty and sovereign, and yet man has a responsibility to respond and to do. And God has the unusual opportunity of living outside of time, so he knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't make anybody do anything. He allows the person to make their own decision. I don't know why Calvinists don't understand that. They forget the vantage point of God. That really ends it for me. Because if he's outside of time and he can see the end from the beginning, he can with 100% accuracy, just like it says in Psalm 139, he can tell me what I'm going to say tomorrow. I don't even know what I'm going to say tomorrow. But he knows because he's already seen it. He doesn't control in that sense. He doesn't make me do anything. He lets me be who I am, but he knows. That, that To me, that's just baffling. But that's who our God is. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If he's not willing that any should perish, then it stands to reason that God has given us a choice. And God is sovereign, but man is also responsible for his destiny. Yes, he calls, and God has given him men and women. Men and women. In John's gospel, he says, For God so loved the world that whosoever... Does that sound like only a certain group of people or a whosoever? It means whosoever. In Joel chapter 2, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Oh, does that mean just a certain group of people? Whoever. It still means the same in the original language. Peter quoted that in Acts chapter 2 verse 21. So did Paul in Romans 10 verse 31 or 13, excuse me. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, not just a group of people. So verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked more, more, more with him. What a tragedy. And yes, John 6, verse 66. Six being the number of man. Six, six, six. What does that remind you of? Yes, the mark of the beasts. Isn't it interesting that this verse signifies the People walking away from him. The spirit of Antichrist consuming their hearts, not allowing them to see, not willing to see, but rather believing their own things and going their own way. You can look at that in Revelation chapter 13. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus? The other multitude, you can sort of understand. They weren't really walking with him. They weren't with him for three and a half years or whatever. But the mixed multitude around them, you know, finally, they, you know, many of them go away. The majority of them go away. And Jesus looks at them and he says, Do you, are you going to go away as well? And I love what Peter said. Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go? There's no other place for us to go. There's no other way to go. He is the way, the truth, the life. What other truth is there? What other life is there? There is no other life. There is only death apart from Christ. Also, Peter says, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Later on, we find out in the chronology here of the Gospels, we find out that Peter, later on, in Matthew chapter 16, when they were up in the northern part of Israel in Caesarea Philippi, he said the very same thing. Remember, Jesus said to them, he said to his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, you just gave the answer. I'm the son of man. I'm the son of God. But remember, they said, some say you're John the Baptist or this or that. And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my father in heaven has revealed this to you. In verse 70, Jesus answered and said, did I not choose you, 12, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? What a mystery, isn't it, to think that God would choose a man who he knew would ultimately rebel against him and betray him? Do you think he knew when he was up in that mountain the night before he chose the morning, the early morning that he before he chose his disciples, the 12 that would be with him? Do you think he knew at that point? Do you think communing with the Father, the Father said, "Son," I want you to choose this one. Because this is the one whose heart he, you know, Judas didn't even know his heart at that moment, but God knew. And Judas had an opportunity to come to Christ. He had an opportunity to receive Christ. He had every opportunity, just as the other disciples did. He performed miracles with the other one that when they sent him out two by two, he was a partaker of those things. And yet, he would refuse christ he would betray him for 30 pieces of silver for money everyone has their price judas had his price and it was judas and he spoke verse 71 of judas the son of simon for it was he who would betray him being one of the twelve so we know i want to encourage you as you read the bible do you notice something here in this last verse just as by way of showing you something you probably know this already but Where it says, for it was he who would betray him. That means that this gospel was written last. It was written after Judas betrayed him. After the resurrection. After the crucifixion. After the resurrection. Even after the ascension, this gospel was written last. And John is speaking. He's saying, this is the one who would betray him. And we know that. And Judas Iscariot Iscariot is not his last name, by the way. Iscariot is the town that he came from. Judas was his first name. Iscariot was... Judas was very popular, that name, in that time. Because remember, in the 2nd century B.C., there was a man by the name of Judas Maccabeus who led a revolt against the Seleucid dynasty, against Antiochus Epiphanes IV, who slaughtered the pig in the temple and caused the sacrifices to cease. Remember that. That event already happened. And Judas Maccabeus rose up with some other Jews and they overthrew them. And these men were heroes. And up until this point, people named their child, their male child, Judas. Because he was a hero at that time. But does anybody name their child Judas after the crucifixion? Nobody names their child Judas anymore. Because of the connotation of Judas Iscariot, this one we're going to take communion this morning. You recall that night before Jesus was taken, that when they celebrated the Passover meal that evening with his disciples in the upper room, it says that when the, when the hour had come, this is in Luke chapter 22, when the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the twelve apostles with him and he said to them, with fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you that I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Speaking of the millennium. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Again, speaking of the thousand year reign at the end of the tribulation period when Jesus, with all of us, comes back to the earth physically. And he took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Notice what he said, Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. I'm so blessed that we took communion today on a day that we were covering this. I, I, um, it's the perfect time to take it. There's really not an unperfect time to take it, but this was so sweet to think of as we spoke of Jesus being the bread of life. He's the very sustenance of our being. Even going forward as we rely upon him, as we pray to Christ, as we pray to Him, as we as we learn more about Him, as we allow His Spirit to have free reign in our hearts, as we read His Word and allow it to change us, in this way we are eating the blood, or drinking the blood of Christ, and eating His body. We do it symbolically, right? That night He took bread and he tore it and he said, This is my body, not me, but the bread. Take it and eat it. This is my body broken for you. And then this is the blood of the new covenant. This chalice that he would pass around as they each took a sip of it in a pre-COVID environment. They passed around the cup and each of them took a sip from it. They probably didn't even wipe the rim. They just passed it all around to the twelve and they each took a drink. This is the covenant of the New Testament in my blood. I love what Paul says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he speaks of this moment in Jesus' life. And he said, speaking of Christ, he said, This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And Paul says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Till he comes. We know that he died but we proclaim the death because it was the death that paid for my sin and your sin. And because of that, we are right in the sight of God, based on our faith and based on the work of Christ, based our belief in him for what he did. And we will come back with him, and we will have it for the first time. Are you looking forward to that time in the millennium, a thousand-year reign of Christ? Back to this earth, folks, in new bodies. Yes, you, 2.0 we will be back in new bodies and we will on this very earth we will take this these elements as we're taking right now we will do it with the son of god our savior the lion of judah we will take it with him together at that time let's partake of the of the bread and the blood of the new covenant, which is the very blood of Christ. We do this in remembrance of him, proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. Let's partake of the, of the juice. There's a verse in the Bible, and this is just off the cuff, I, I forget where it is, but David speaks of the rains within him. My uh, reins—I'm drawing a blank here—but my reins worship you, or my my, in the the depths of my reins and inside of me, and and I've heard, or I've looked this word up, reins, and it speaks of kidneys. And from what I understand, for those of you who are medical people, maybe you know this, and I believe this is true: the kidneys are the most insulated things of all your organs. Where they are located, and it speaks of the very center, the most private, the most area, and covered and protected. And I think of when we take the bread and we take the juice, we are taking it down deep within us, and that's really what this signifies: is it's the very nature of God, his who he is. We take it down. It's symbolic of what we need to be doing spiritually, letting Christ be everything to us from the very innermost part of our being. So allow the Lord to do that in your life. And even if you've been a Christian for some time, don't get complacent. Keep pressing forward for that prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Stay in the game. Don't ever lay back and rest. You'll have plenty of time to rest. Stay in it, folks. Stay close to Christ. Do the things that you know are going to please him. Pray and seek and and get motivated and continue to work for him. Remember, we work for him. We don't work for Calvary Chapel. We don't work for anything. We work for him. I work for him. Let's continue to work for Jesus and help us to continue to feast on the bread of life. I pray that he is everything to you and that he encourages you today. Let's abide in him this week and every week. Just continue to abide. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for this discourse. Lord, you are the bread of life. And, Lord, you have taken up residence by your Spirit deep within our hearts. And, Lord, we are so blessed, so thankful. We would Now that we know you, Lord, there's no other place, like Peter said, that we could go. There's no other place that we would want to go. There's no one else. There's no other method. There's no other religion. There's no one like you. And we come to you with open hearts, even as children of God, seeking our Father in heaven who alone can sustain us and give us everything we need physically, spiritually, emotionally, in every possible way. You are the great I am, the one who is the ego I me. You are the great I am. Lord, be our everything today. And may we rely upon you. Have your way with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. 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 God bless you.